Good morning, family. I'm on vacation this week, but I've arranged a special speaker. I'd like to introduce you to my friend, Tanya Tobe. I've known Tanya for several years now. She and her husband, Alvin, are active members and ministers at the Church of the Nazarene in Leonardtown, Maryland. Tanya is a wonderful worship leader and a terrific speaker, and I just know that you're going to love her and the word she has prepared for you today. She's going to talk to us about the importance of prayer. Listen to Tanya as she speaks today. Hello, my name is Tanya Tobe, and I'm one of the associate pastors at Leonardtown Church of the Nazarene. I would like to thank Pastor Jonathan Mills for the opportunity to be able to share with you today. I will be coming from the 12th chapter of Acts, beginning at verse 1, going down to verse 5. The word of the Lord. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. I am so grateful for this, another opportunity to be able to share. I pray, Lord God, that you would empty me of myself. Lord God, speak through me as only you can. Father, I pray for each and every person who's going to be hearing this word. I pray, Lord God, that it speaks to them in a way that transforms their lives, Lord God, and helps them to understand the importance and the, and the, the peace and the joy that comes from a relationship that includes prayer. I praise you, I glorify you, I magnify you, Lord, all of you and none of me, in Jesus' name, amen. If I had to title this, I would say, or call it, what if God's people prayed? What if God's people prayed? The group Casting Crowns sings a song that says, what if his people prayed? and those who bear his name, who humbly seek his face and turn from their own way. And what would happen if we prayed for those raised up to lead the way? Then maybe kids in school could pray and unborn children see the light of day. What if his people prayed? Many amazing things happen if, when God's people simply pray. Throughout the book of Acts, we read of the amazing power that is experienced by the early church. Throughout church history, men and women of God have experienced great power. I've heard many speak of the good old days in church. It seems that when they speak of these good old days, they include the power that the body of Christ possesses as if it is something of the past. Now, if that's the case, then the natural question would be, then what happened? Has God changed? Absolutely not. 
because Malachi 3, 6 says, I am the Lord and I do not change. Is it the wicked society that we live in? No, because Elijah experienced God's power during the reign of Ahab, who did more evil in the sight of God than any king who lived before him. So what is stopping us? Perhaps it's government oppression. Well, no, because Peter, James, and John had to deal with persecution from the religious and governmental leaders of their day. And even in the midst of that, Acts 2.27 says, And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Well, what could it be then? I'm glad you asked. I believe that the answer to the problem is summed up in one word, prayer. I'm, I'm not talking about that invocation, offertory, benediction kind of prayer. I'm talking about God's people coming boldly before the throne of God and crying out to him fervently, earnestly, and passionately. There is power in prayer, but we must tap into it. I'm reminded of a story of an of a old, a older lady who lived in the country and had never had electricity. But eventually, her family made arrangements for a line to run to her house. However, after six months, she had only used one unit of power. So the company officials decided to drive out to her house to make sure that nothing had gone wrong and that everything was okay. When everything checked out fine, they asked her how she was enjoying having electricity. She said, oh yes, I am really enjoying it. Then one of the representatives says, well, well, tell us, you know, how are you using it? The elderly woman said that each evening as the sun was setting, she turned on the lights just long enough so she could light her kerosene lamp and then she turned them off again. She was still living a kerosene experience when she had the power to enjoy the comforts of having electricity. God has given us tremendous power through the presence of his spirit. Yet many times we fail to use it. Instead, we settle for much less by relying solely on our own human ability. There are certain things that God never meant for us to handle on our own. We need the omnipresent Savior when the storms of life begin to blow against us. In Acts 12, we learn that Peter was arrested and that no amount of human effort could free him. However, the supernatural power of God did what human effort couldn't do. The Bible tells us that the church was praying fervently. This means that they were praying without ceasing, knowing that God had the power to release the one that they loved. So today I ask you, what if God's people prayed? Let's first talk about the reason for prayer. Acts 12, 1 through 5 says, about that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. 
Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. James, one of the Lord's faithful disciples, had been apprehended and beheaded by Herod. Now Peter is imprisoned and facing the same fate. The Jews hated the gospel and the church that propagated it. The persecution that Herod exhibited brought him a great advantage politically. It was his intention to hold Peter until after Easter and then execute him. Surely the church realized that this execution was the enemy's plan for Peter and James. And then now what, what exactly would that mean for them? They, they could also be sentenced to death as well. The Jews and Herod were responsible for the death of James and the imprisonment of Peter, but there is something going on behind the scenes in the event. Satan was the one who was orchestrating these events. It was his goal to destroy the church while it was still in its infancy. Yes, there was much reason for fervent prayer of the early church and the need is just as great today. Satan did not succeed in destroying the early church. However, his destruction, destructive tactics continue today. When we look around, it seems that he is having great success. The country is facing unprecedented times that some have never experienced. In the midst of global pandemic, many who are created in the image of God are being marginalized and dehumanized. There's reason for prayer. As we move further, we see the responsibility of prayer. Verse five says, but while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. This was a dark time. One of their leaders, one of the leaders of the church was in prison and facing death. But there is an important word here, prayer. We read that prayer was made earnestly. We are going to read shortly that after Peter was released, he found them still praying. There are three things related to our responsibility in prayer. First, our prayers must be intentional. This, this church had one goal, Peter's release. They did not gather together to go over their little list of needs and wants. They sought Peter's release from his bonds. This prayer was made to God for him. This church was focused, specific, and intentional. Look at verse 12. Peter came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. The entire church was gathered together to fervently pray for one of their own. It is not enough to, for us to simply make a speech to God. We must pray intentional prayers. We have the opportunity to go boldly before the throne on behalf of one another. Our prayers must be intentional. Second, our prayers must be intense. This prayer was a fervent prayer. The word fervent means intent without ceasing. Fervent prayers carry the idea of praying with urgency. 
The Greek word for fervent is thermos, which means hot. This is the type of praying the church needs today. James 5.16 says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The King James Version says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Our prayers must be intentional, intense, and they must be intimate. The early church joined together to seek help for their brother and leader. The church needs to do the same today. We must join together and seek God on behalf of our brothers and sisters. The beauty in prayer of the early church is the intimacy and unity of the church. They were all together on one accord, bowing humbly before God and making their request known. They offered their prayers and God heard and moved in great power. Many times through Paul's writings, we would see where he would, he would say that he was praying for the people. We also read on many occasions where he asked them to pray for him. It is our responsibility to pray one for another, and we must do so intentionally, intensely, and intimately. So far, we have seen the reason for prayer and the responsibility of prayer. Now let's talk about the result of prayer. Verse 6 says, the night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. While the church is gathered together praying, Peter is in prison between two soldiers in chains, but he is sound asleep. Peter had that kind of peace that Noah had when it started raining, the kind of peace that Daniel had in the lion's den, the kind of peace that the three Hebrew boys had in the fiery furnace, that peace that the psalmist said, in peace, I will lie down and asleep and sleep for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. Peter knew that the Lord was in control. What is the worst thing that could happen to him? If, if they killed him, then he would be home with his savior. For the Bible says that absence from the body means to be present with the Lord. Peter had peace. Meanwhile, back at the church, they were still praying. What if God's people prayed? Well, first prayers will be answered. Verse seven, eight through eight says, suddenly there was a bright light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on his side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. Peter was not worried about anything. Notice this. The angel said to him, get dressed and put on your sandals. Peter had kicked off his shoes and had made himself at home. 
If that isn't perfect peace, I don't know what is. The angel of the Lord appeared before Peter. He struck him on the side and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off of his wrist. This is an example of the amazing things that happen when God's people pray. You may be facing issues that seem impossible. Pray. There may be times when you don't feel like praying. Pray anyway. There may be times when you don't think that you are getting through. Keep on praying. When God's people pray, those prayers will be answered. Something else will happen when those prayers are answered. People will be amazed. Verses 9 through 11 says, so Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it what was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city and it opened by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel to save me from Herod and the Jewish leaders, what they had planned to do to me. Peter was amazed. At first, Peter didn't even know what was going on. Some may say that his lack, that it was a lack of faith on Peter's part. However, I think that Peter's confusion may have been a result of a deep sleep that he, was, he had been experiencing. He may have thought that he was having a dream. Remember, he had taken off his shoes and made himself comfortable. He came to himself and realized the Lord had brought him out. Now we come to what I consider one of the funniest passages in the Bible. Verses 12 through 16 says, When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked on the door in the gate and the serving girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she realized, recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. You're, not, you're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. Peter goes to the house where the church was gathered to pray. He knocks on the door and, and Rhoda recognizes his voice, but she doesn't open the door. She, she is so excited that she runs to tell everybody and they tell her that she's out of her mind. Meanwhile, while this argument is going back and forth, Peter is still outside knocking. Warren, Warren Worsby said, God could get Peter out of the prison, but Peter couldn't get himself into the prayer meeting. When they finally got up and saw Peter, they were astonished. Peter exclaimed, explained the miraculous work that God had done in prison. God answered their prayer. God did what they had asked him to do, yet they were astonished. 
Many times we call on God to move in a mighty way. And when he does, just as we seem to ask him, we just can't seem to grasp the fact that he heard our prayer. But our God works in mysterious ways and we we should not only be amazed, actually, we should also be humbled at the fact that we can go before the throne and make our requests known to Almighty God. I'm reminded of a story of C.H. Spurgeon. For over 30 years, he preached at the Metropolitan Tabernacle and hundreds of people came to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ each year and were baptized. What was it that gave the church such power? Well, one Sunday, five young college students who were preparing for pastoral ministry visited Metropolitan Tabernacle to hear Charles Spurgeon speak. While waiting for the church to open the doors, Charles Spurgeon himself approached them and asked if they would like to see the powerhouse of that great church. Of course, the young preachers were delighted at the opportunity to see the secret to the power behind such a great church. Spurgeon led them through a long hallway, down a stairway, and cautiously opened a door at a bath at the bottom. What the five young men saw astonished them. Looking through the open doorway, they saw about 700 church members bowed in prayer, asking God for his blessings for the upcoming service. That, said Spurgeon, is our powerhouse. So as I prepare to close, I ask, what if God's people prayed? What are you wrestling with today? Have you rolled it over the Lord over to onto the Lord in prayer? Have you have you given it to him? Or, or have you, like the woman I mentioned earlier, have you lit the room full of kerosene lamps? Stop struggling on your own and turn on the power of Almighty God through prayer and faith. Allow him to be your strength and your everlasting peace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this another opportunity. I praise you and I give you glory, Lord God, for just being such an awesome, wonderful God, an all-powerful God. Help us, Lord, to lean on you in prayer. Help us, Lord God, not to be reluctant to come to you, but come to you boldly, knowing that you will hear us. I thank you and I praise you, Lord. And now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his presence with exceedingly great joy, the all-wise God, our Savior, be majesty and honor, dominion and power, now and forevermore. Amen. Be blessed. What if God's people prayed? God answers prayer. I hope you know that to be true. Thanks again to my friend Tanya for sharing with us today. Now, receive these words of benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his countenance toward you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen.